Standing in front of the bookstore shelf Which Batman book should I get for myself? Jerry and Chris are relentless made And honest fans of the Batman trades Bat books for beginners Bat books for beginners Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU Bat Books for Beginners, episode 164. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book is Batman Dark Detective. This covers the issues of Dark Detective numbers 1 through 6. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Batfans. Thank you for downloading. Batman Dark Detective reunited one of the absolute best writer-artist teams in the history of Batman, Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Almost 30 years after their classic collaboration on Detective Comic numbers 471 through 476 from 1977 to 1978. Batman Dark Detective originally was released as a twice-monthly six-issue miniseries with the first issue cover dated July 2005, and individual issues were priced at $2.99. Around the same time over in Detective Comics, the City of Crime story arc was taking place. Now, for our creative team, we had Steve Englehart as the writer, Marshall Rogers was the penciler, Terry Austin was the inker, John Workman was the letterer, and so for all the creative teams I've mentioned so far, also worked on that original 70s Detective Comics run, and Workman did a really outstanding job with the letters, and we'll talk about more of him later. Mm-hmm. And Chris Chuckery was the colorist. I'll provide some background on the creative team based on personal recollections and online and hard copy resources. Steve Englehart was born April 22, 1947, making him 70 years old. He's one of the more prolific writers we've covered. I first encountered his work in the early to mid-1970s when he was writing The Avengers and Captain America for Marvel Comics. One of the more unusual stories was his run on Captain America numbers 169 to 176, which was very reflective of the times where he had Captain America following a criminal conspiracy and a criminal organization called the Secret Empire, which led him to the White House, and the leader being none other than the then-President Nixon himself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when he found out, when he was found out by Captain America, Nixon committed suicide. Now you may wonder if Englehart got any censorship from the powers that be at Marvel, but according to Englehart's website, he said, quote, "People often ask if Marvel hassled me for the, for the political vibe in the series and others, and the honest answer is they almost never did. Hmm. It was a wonderful place to be creative. Here I intended to say the president was Nixon, but I wasn't sure if Marvel would allow it, so I censored myself a little bit, probably unnecessarily." According to some sources, Englehart would have a falling out at Marvel with Gary Conway once he became editor-in-chief. Over at DC, Englehart would write one of the greatest single Batman stories ever, in my opinion, and a very underrated and overlooked, a story called Night of the Stalker, which appeared in Detective Comics number 439. Englehart would write for the Justice League of America before his classic run on Detective Comics from numbers 469 to 476, arguably regarded as one of the best Batman story arcs ever, period. Now, you would think that with as well as this was the received and how polished the finished product was, that Englehart and Rogers had a lot of back-and-forth communication with respect to the creative process. But I read in an 
interview that Englehart did in Back Issue Magazine number 51, it was only when Englehart was in Europe and got a package from DC Comics with the finished issues of Detective, where he saw the Rogers and Austin's final work. It would probably take a whole podcast to list Steve Englehart's credits. He currently works on novels, and it's likely you may have seen one of his original comic creations on screen earlier this year as Steve Englehart is credited with creating the Star-Lord character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. Yeah. Okay, next we have Marshall Rogers as the penciler. Rogers was born January 22nd, 1950. While he had some small jobs for Marvel and DC prior, I think it's fair to say he made a name for himself when he started penciling Batman for Detective Comics. I first encountered his work on the second issue he did for Detective Comics, which would have been issue number 472. And I was blown away by the cover once I saw it on the 7-Eleven spinner rack. And no, it wasn't the banner promoting the Superman movie contest where you, a fan, could appear in the movie. The comic depicted an image of Batman laying prone with the words, The Batman is dead. Long live the new Batman on the cover. His artwork was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It incorporated the classic 40s Batman look, but with a more modern take on it. While I looked forward to the next issue of Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man back in the day, Detective Comics was now a must-find, must-buy title for me as a grade schooler. While Spider-Man still had a share of problems, the Englehart Rogers Batman had a dash of noir, Bruce Wayne in a relationship, and a bit of adult sophistication that I had never been exposed to. This was a title I devoured. Rogers would eventually be off the title and any related Batman work about a year or two later. He would reunite with Englehart on a Madame Xanadu one-shot, which was only available in comic book shops. Rogers also did the art on a Batman parody story in Howard the Duck magazine number 8. He would do features in Eclipse Comics, and he would work on Marvel's Silver Surfer in the late 1980s. Marshall Rogers died March 24, 2007, of what was thought to be a heart attack. Terry Austin, he deserves more of a mention, but I'll at least say he's regarded as one of the industry's best inkers. He's probably best known for his work on the Uncanny X-Men title, where he did work on John Byrne's run on the title. Now, one of the more prominent characters in Batman Dark Detective is Silver St. Cloud, so I feel compelled to provide a little bit of background on her here. She first appeared in Detective Comics number 470, and while Steve Englehart wrote that issue, that particular issue was actually drawn by Walt Simonson. After her falling out with Bruce in that story arc, she would appear only in a few places. Legends of the Dark Knight numbers 132 to 136 in a story arc called Siege, which was also drawn by Marshall Rogers, but it was written by Archie Goodwin, and that came out in the year 2000. Okay, and then next she appeared in Batman Dark Detective that we're covering here, and later she would appear in a Batman story arc called Batman the Widening Gyre, which was written by Kevin Smith. Now, at the end of that, the story apparently not being concluded, Silver's throat is slashed by a villain named Onomatopoeia. Now, it shall also be noted that Englehart would write another chapter following Batman Dark Detective, but it has not been published by DC. And in fact, one of the blurbs in Batman Dark Detective number 6 almost touted the issue, requesting, well, if you like this feedback, stay tuned, we're going to give you some more, but this never came to any fruition. The character also appeared in the Gotham TV series, but I think it's fair to say that the Gotham TV series is a thing unto itself. Yeah. However, in the comics, uh, she was one of the more intelligent and compelling women that Bruce Wayne was romantically involved with, and she discovered that Batman was Bruce Wayne. She most recently turned up in, of all places, the Batman Elmer Fudd team-up that came out <laughs> recently, which seemed to close the chapter of the character. 
Batman Dark Detective was collected as a 144-page softcover trade paperback that was cover dated April 2006 and had a cover price of $14.99. Hey, that's yeah. less than buying the individual issues of cover price. Now, I'm not aware of any subsequent reissues or second printings. Online prices for a hard copy of this volume can range for as low as $6.18, and that would get you a used copy. For $17.99, you can get a new edition. These issues do appear to be available on Comixology. I'd say the consensus of online reviews is mixed with respect to this book, going from some one-star ratings to some five-star reviews with varied reasons as to why and rationales. This currently has a 2.9 star. Was that close enough to a three out of five stars on Amazon.com? And with that, I'll turn it back over to you, Jerry. (laughs) Wow, great information. Thanks, Chris. So Chris and I are going to talk about this story after a few messages from our friends. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Welcome back. So let's get into the story of Batman, Dark Detective. Bruce Wayne goes to a costume benefit for a gubernatorial candidate, U.S. Senator Evan Gregory. Senator Gregory gives a speech and introduces his fiance, Silver St. Cloud. Ooh. Yeah. Silver sees Bruce in his costume mask. Their eyes meet. In the past, Bruce and Silver had a romantic relationship, and she knows that he is the Batman. They loved each other, but she couldn't handle being worried about the danger of his nighttime crime fighting. The two ex-lovers talk. Bruce congratulates Silver on her engagement to Senator Gregory. She introduces the two men. Suddenly, a man all in red approaches the microphone and addresses the crowd. He reveals himself to be the Joker. Joker says that he wants everyone to vote for him for governor. His campaign slogan is... Vote for me, or I'll kill you. Yeah, that's that's pretty catchy, though. (laughs) Very Joker-esque. I'm the Joker, and I approve this message. (laughs) Joker electrocutes Senator Gregory with a joy buzzer. He's not dead, but he's, he's wounded. Batman arrives and attacks Joker, but there's acid covering his red costume. Because of this, when the two fight, the Joker is able to escape. Joker arrives at his big old rundown Victorian house. He finds Two-Face there waiting for him with a gun. Two-Face threatens violence if Joker really runs for governor. Two-Face finally leaves, and inside Joker's crazy, creepy house, Joker vows to continue his campaign for governor, and oh, by the way, kill Two-Face. Silver St. Cloud visits Bruce at Stately Wayne Manor. Bruce says that he will support Evan's candidacy. 
They talk about their former relationship and agree that they are at an impasse. Bruce is down deep in his heart, really Batman, even though it upsets Silver. Bruce takes the step to bring Silver down into the Batcave. If they're going to be truly friends, and she's really going to know who he is, she must fully understand his life. And among all of the trophies Bruce has collected, there is a shoe that Silver left behind when she left him. Interesting. Of all things, a shoe. shoe. Bruce hears someone inside the Batcave. He runs off to get him and finds himself in the scene in Crime Alley where his parents were killed. Bruce relives this experience. He recalls the time that he committed himself to being the Batman. He sees Joker, Penguin, and Scarecrow in the Batcave. Scarecrow hits him on the head and knocks him out. Bruce finally realizes that somehow Scarecrow has got fear toxin on him and all of this is a hallucination. Silver is affected as well. Bruce collects himself, comforts her, and the two ex-lovers embrace. They declare their love for each other and find themselves on the floor of the Batcave. Now, Mr. Haney is a wealthy man who does not support the Joker's campaign for governor. Now, just to be clear, this isn't the Mr. Haney from Green Acres. I'm sorry, Jerry, I had to get that in there. My old TV references, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure. I mean, we can check. We'll go to Wikipedia. All right, thank you. (laughs) So, Mr. Haney receives a new opera CD. He puts it in the player, and a poison gas comes out of the machine, killing him. Joker is making good on his promise. Vote for me, or I'll kill you. The next morning, Bruce and Silver discuss their evolving relationship over breakfast. They realize that their encounter was spurred uh, onward by Scarecrow's fear toxin, but in any event, they decide to restart their relationship. Silver will tell Evan that she's leaving him for Bruce. She'll still worry about Bruce as Batman, but she'll try to deal with it. Joker's poll numbers are beginning to rise in the wake of Haney's murder. Batman goes looking for Scarecrow to retaliate for giving him the fear toxin. And some men from Two-Face's gang attack a baseball stadium. Batman arrives as they commit the crime, and he forces one of them to tell him about Two-Face's plans. Now, Two-Face has hired Dr. Double X to make a clone of his good side. This clone is very much like the old district attorney Harvey Dent. And... He and Harvey and Two-Face, they really hit it off together. Now, Batman arrives, and he attacks Two-Face, but the clone hits Batman and knocks him out, letting the pair escape. Now, Dr. Double X realizes that he has not committed any crimes, so he doesn't run away. He just kind of stays there and says, "Eh, whatever, go get him, Tiger. Now, Two-Face and his clone escape to uh, his hideout. Now, They split up. One goes in the front, the other goes in the back. There's a Joker card on the wall, and the building explodes, killing the clone, but Two-Face lives, though he is badly hurt and needs to be hospitalized. Now, Joker attacks a poor citizen, Mr. Novick, in the projects. Uh, Mr. Novick apparently does not support Joker, and the fear against voting against Joker begins to spread in Gotham. Silver tends to Bruce's injuries. 
they talk about what kind of a life they could have together. Now, Bruce gives himself some of Scarecrow's fear toxin, and he remembers through the toxin, he remembers a time in his life after his parents' death when he was pursued through the woods by a man wielding a knife. He ran to Mr. Leibowitz, his temporary guardian's home, for safety. The assailant had killed Leibowitz and is now in the house too. Bruce fought back against the attacker, using his intelligence to find out where the attacker was hiding. And Bruce realizes that when faced with a terrifying fear, that he can master his emotions and fight and win. Silver breaks up with Evan and tells him about Bruce. They decide to keep the breakup a secret until after the election. As Silver leaves a campaign event, she's kidnapped by Joker. Joker wants to use her to get Evan to drop his campaign for governor. Batman finds Scarecrow's lair and beats him up, as Batman likes to do. And he lets him know that all the fear Toxin managed to do was to make him more secure in his identity. Evan Gregory visits Stately Wayne Manor and shows Bruce the ransom note for Silver that Joker left behind. Evan knows Bruce can contact the Batman and ask for his help. They decide that for the sake of Silver, they will cooperate even though they are rivals for her love. Batman goes on a rampage, assaulting one crook after another to get information to find the Joker's lair and save Silver. He discovers that Two-Face knows where Joker lives. Batman visits Two-Face in the hospital and tries to get the information, but Two-Face refuses. However, there is another clone Dr. Double X created that is lurking at the window. This is a clone of Harvey's bad side, all burned and evil, and the clone wants to kill Harvey. To get Batman to protect him, Harvey tells Batman the address of Joker's lair. Now, Evan who's a senator, uses his contacts to discover the location of Joker's home. Joker is in his home with Silver, and he figures out that Silver has a special relationship with Batman, and he gets ready to torture her to get the information. Batman descends upon Joker's hideout. Evan does as well with a number of SWAT team officers. Joker's house is full of booby traps, which Batman is able to avoid, but the SWAT guys don't. They're all killed except Evan. The Cape Crusader and the Senator search the house for Joker's hidey hole. They have to split up, and Batman finds his way to the room where Joker has Silver's tied up. Uh, Joker is getting ready to assault her with a hot iron. Batman knocks out Joker and frees Silver. They declare their love for each other. But they hear a noise and find that Evan has stumbled onto one of Joker's traps and has lost a leg. Batman sets a tourniquet to stop the blood flow. Injured, Evan asks Silver not to leave him. Batman says that she must not break up with Evan until he is recovered. They'll have to wait for another time to be in a relationship. She's angry and upset, but he is firm. Now Joker attacks Batman and sets the house on fire, and Joker escapes through a hidden door. Batman gets Silver and Evan out of the inferno, and leaves them both in the hands of the emergency crew. The end. That's the story. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings and thoughts for the story after these words from some of our friends. 
beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, stronger than Hercules, swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Chris, what did you think of the story? Well, Jerry and listeners, I have to admit I'm pretty biased. I had such a huge fondness for this creative team. To be fair, I don't think when Batman Dark Detective came out, it was initially well-received as I had hoped or as I had wanted it to. But I have to confess I did like it. This was a sequel of sorts. Uh, We did have a Batman-Joker rematch that we had on the uh, original creative team's run. But here and also in the story arc, we had some additional villains that Englehart and Rogers weren't able to incorporate on their first go-around, with that being Two-Face and Scarecrow. I would have liked to have seen some Selina Kyle there in the mix, and it would have been intriguing if there would have been some sort of a a triangle just to see how that would have played off, but we weren't, uh, unfortunately, treated to that. You're toying um, with me. I'm sorry, yeah, <laughs> but it would have been nice to see. Uh, right out of the gate, I thought uh, Englehart and Rogers did a good job of some nice uh, DC nods to some of their past creators. Um, at the Masquerade Party, there's an obvious depiction of Julia Schwartz, who is a longtime editor at DC Comics. Uh, the Mr. Haney reference, I'm sure, was a reference to uh, longtime Brave and Bold writer Bob Haney. Uh, in issue number three, there was a reference to Dick Giordano and longtime Batman artist Herb Novick. And I think number five gave us uh, somebody named Mr. Robbins, who I'm guessing is a nod to Frank Robbins, another uh, Batman artist from back in the day. There were some nice things to like here with respect to the artwork. Uh, I did like one scene where in issue number two, Bruce is being served tea by Alfred, but when he looks in the reflection of the teacup, he sees a visage of Batman. I thought that was very impressive. When Silver is brought down to the Batcave, we've got this massive two-page spread that really, really was nice, and we got to see all the trophies in the trophy area. And there was a few I didn't even recognize. One was a large, oversized pipe and an ashtray, and I thought that was really gorgeous. That said, it pains me to say this, I don't think Roger's artwork is as sharp as it was in the initial run of the series. I pulled out some of the original issues of Batman Dark Detective to read the hard copy, and I think I appreciated the artwork more when seeing it in hand versus seeing it online or any other type of reproduced source. I think the original artwork did did him some justice. That said, what pained me to see a little bit was uh, Rogers was very known for his detailed style, especially with the backgrounds and some of the facial stuff. Here, some of the facial expressions really weren't that great. Some of the panels, to me, in Batman to Dark Detective seem very, very large. And it 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 was almost as if, I don't know if there was any uh, problems with uh, Roger's eyesight at this time, but they almost seemed a little bit big as opposed to some of the smaller intrinsic artwork that we saw in the previous run of the series. I thought the writing was mature in in certain areas. Uh, Granted, it wasn't as good, but this was something I did enjoy a lot. That said, I'd have to if you're if if you're a Batman fan, and I'll get into this a little bit later. I would recommend seeking out some of the original uh, stuff that you saw. If you didn't read any of the original Englehart Rogers run from the Detective Comics, 
please look at that. Mm. But overall, I enjoyed this. Jerry, how about mm. you? Well, I don't have the um, emotional connection to you know this this team that you do. Uh, I didn't read the original um, story, so I don't have that uh, going into it. And also. I'm not the. Uh, I really. I'm not a Joker fan. So, okay. uh, in general, I. Uh, uh, that's kind of a strike against it. And then for me, I'm also a, uh, a Bruce and Selena. You know, I like them together. I'm a shipper for, with them. And sure. so, you know, having Silver, you know, in the relation with a relationship with Bruce isn't. You know, it's another strike for me. I'm glad they didn't end up together. You know, I'm glad it was just for this period of this story. So, it, you know, it's okay. But, you know, it's not really my thing. It's, I was, you know, I feel like Bruce is cheating on her, kind of. So, uh, so that the whole relationship, which kind of is kind of the underpinning of this story, wasn't, you know, wasn't really for me. Now, those things being said, I think that, you know, if you are a Joker fan or at least don't have the negative feelings about him that I do, he's particularly good here, I think. He's, uh, you know, I, he looks crazy and the, the way he speaks is really, uh, very, very nutty, very bizarre. And the way he's drawn, it really matches that kind of speech pattern. So I think that this is a pretty good Joker. Uh, if you like the Joker, I think you'll like it. Uh, there was a couple of confusing things I, I felt that, uh, for example, when, when, uh, Two-Face is caught in the explosion, he was on the ground and he was hurt, but he kind of looked like the Joker. So I, I, I was thinking it must've been some kind of, you know, something about the explosion made him look like Joker and, you know, it must've been part of the trap, but it was, it was odd. I, it took me a second to realize what was going on. My take on that jury was I thought there must have been some exposure to some Joker toxin there, yeah. which put the put the Joker-esque grin on the, on the face of the clone, and that's how I took it. Uh, but but I will admit there were some parts of the story that were confusing. Yeah. I had a problem for myself with uh, Chapter 4, which was the Scarecrow sequence. Mm-hmm. I thought that sort of meandered a bit. Some of the lettering sort of uh, was done in an in this very large print block style which i thought uh, detracted my attention from the artwork and boy oh boy i thought the ending was just very very abrupt it, it just yeah. left uh, left with uh, no resolution or where do we go from here it mm-hmm. just uh it just closed we didn't know there was no final words exchanged between uh, bruce and silver or yeah. batman and silver and uh, silver's just left there standing watching the uh uh, afterglow of the uh, mansion with with that going on, and I, I thought, if what 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 was that? What did yeah. I just read? I we, we, it was it, the ending. I have to confess, left me a little flat. Yeah, is it over? That's it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Now it's funny, you know. You mentioned the Joker's house. The Joker's house is pretty cool here. I mean, it's yes. it's bizarre, and I, and I really thought that the uh, art team did a good job with the house, but. Um, I, you know, I was I was reading this um, on my computer. I didn't read it on a floppy, so um, I didn't get that kind of artistic uh, view of the story that you did. So I, I didn't really find that that uh, panel of the Batcave uh, was as impressive because you know it's on my monitor, 
Uh, and mm-hmm. I, and I would like to, to see it at some point, uh, head over to the, head over to the store and get a look at, get a look at it, uh, on paper. So now there is one thing that we should talk about a little bit and is something that it's not so bad here, but it, it definitely bothered me is the, the bondage and torture of a scantily clad woman. And when the, when Joker gets silver into his, you know, his little torture chamber and he ties her up and for some reason takes off her dress. So she's in a little, a little negligee and stockings and, you know, we just went through this and, uh, uh, it, it must've been something of the time, I suppose, but, uh, that time is not now. <laughs> uh, it, I, I think that's a fair point, Jerry. I don't think it bothered me with respect to the narrative when it played out in, in the panel, mm-hmm. but I think, um, it is worth a mention though, where you see the image on the cover of issue number six, mm-hmm. where this is, this is almost used as the cover is a selling point for your, 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 your comic. And, and what, what are you exactly saying here? Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to that, that was a little bit disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, uh, gosh, by, I'm not, by, I'm, by no means am I condoning this. That said, I don't think silver was depicted where there was, um, where we saw excessive cleavage or yes. nudity right. or any type or a type of clothing there. But, um, and it also it, didn't it, have this, the sexual connotations that when, um, black mask did it to, to Stephanie, it didn't have, true. It, it was just, he was just going to hit her with the poker, you know, like with a J he was going to brand her or something like that. Bad enough. She's got, she's again in her, in her skivvies, uh, and like you say, they're, they're using this to sell the comic and, you know, I guess we'll just let folks, you know, decide for themselves whether, you know, that's a problem or not. Uh, I, it, it bothered me. Yes. Um, is, is Joker in character doing this? I, I, I would say so, but yeah. uh, when, I think I had more of a problem with it being depicted on the cover versus the story itself. Not that one versus the other is as, as bad, but sure. I just, I just think with, with, uh, perhaps we've seen worse. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but by no means am I saying that this was, um, something I, I like to see in the story. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, you know, Based on based on you know this discussion, based on this, how would you rate this book? Well, Jerry, I tell you, I was really torn between a three and a half and a four. I think I would have to give it a four. But that said, if I'm going to recommend anything in this particular episode, if you haven't read that initial run that Rogers and Engelhart did, that is what I would seek out. More so than Batman Dark Detective. Um, I have to admit, like I said earlier, I'm biased. Now, those issues of detective comics can be pretty pricey if you're trying to seek those out. And I know they're very, very expensive. This uh, was also collected in a trade called Batman Strange Apparitions. And that even goes for $60 for that trade paperback. Here's something else, though. If you have a well-stocked comic store 
or if you can search online. These issues were also reprinted, and it was called Shadow of the Batman. Not to be confused with the Batman title in the 90s called Batman Shadow of the Bat. Rather, this was called Shadow of the Batman. It was a five-issue miniseries that came out from 1985 to 1986, and they reprinted uh, this the uh, detective story arc from the 70s. Those issues possibly could be had for cheaper. If you can find those, that would be great. Um, it was also collected more recently in a hardcover called Legends of the Dark Knight, Marshall Rogers. And I think that's only available in hardcover, but I think it's also on Comixology. Mm-hmm. So if I had to recommend anything, yes, uh, by all means, if you have not, these are Batman stories that I consider to be, as a Batman fan, this is a must-read. These are some of my all-time favorite Batman stories with the great team of uh, writer and art Beast really being in sync, and we've got great lettering from John Workman, which really classic, which is really a classic feel for the character. Um, that said, I, I'm going to go with a four out of five. I know this isn't as good as the original stuff from the '70s, but we got to get uh, the classic the writing and art pair reunited here. We got to see sort of a sequel to a great story arc with a Joker and two face and scarecrow. So yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go four out of five. How about you? Where did yeah. you come at this? Well, that makes perfect sense. And, and thanks for that recommendation, Chris. I think I'm going to take, I think I'm going to go look for one of those titles. So yeah, uh, that's terrific. Um, so I, I have, like I said, I have some, you know, this is just has a couple of strikes against it for me. So I think I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to go three batarangs. Uh, I, I just I didn't like my, I didn't like the relationship, and I think that translated in my head is that I didn't believe the relationship. And whether that's fair or not, it's just you know how I experienced it. I'm not a Joker fan. Uh, now the art had some really good things in it. Uh, Joker's house. Uh, but there are some things that uh, I I didn't think were particularly special, so I think I'm going to go go lower uh, at a three for this one. Now, do you think that this is a a must read or something that you would recommend? This one, this uh, um, story. I would, from the context of seeing uh, just from where the Silver Saint Cloud Bruce Wayne relationship glows. I do want to also comment, though, we did have a very, I thought, adult depiction of a relationship with uh, Silver Saint Cloud and the writing with respect to Silver breaking up with Evan. I thought that was, you know, a really well written scene by Englehart where she breaks the news saying, hey, um, I didn't mean for this to happen with Bruce. If you want me to stay with you or just keep this relationship going until uh, your election's over, I totally understand. I thought, we're, we're, I haven't seen such maturity in comics in, in quite a while, and seeing that depiction I thought was really, really good. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got Joker, we've got Two Face, we've got Scarecrow, we've got Englehart and Rogers here. Uh, this would fall in the category of a must read for me. I know. So that said, it's not as good as the other one. I keep saying that, and I, I apologize, listeners. I know I keep saying that, but for me, I, I this this I would consider this a must read. But that's 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 where I land. I'm sorry. I know it's you know yeah. But how about you? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right about the relationship aspect of this. That it is something more you know um, you know uh, mature. Not in the not in the in the wrong way, but it it's a, a very um, 
you know, contemporary adult relationship between the two of them. And you're absolutely right. You know, they're struggling with how to deal with the relationship. That is interesting. Now, because I wouldn't recommend this only, you know, for the reasons I've, I've said, but I think that there are, like you said, you know, for folks of, uh, that are fans of this uh, team, this uh, this comic team, uh, fans that are Joker fans, I think a Joker fan would really like this story. And you know, his it's really kooky. He's he's really insane and really well drawn. I think that a Joker fan would really like this. Uh, and also, you know, Silver. Uh, this relationship shows up elsewhere, and this is, I think, an important step in their relationship. So. If those things are things that speak to you, I think that this would be a good story for you, even though uh, it wasn't for me. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's all we have on this story. So, you know, thank you, for everyone, for listening. Now, Batman, Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl Oracle, and many, many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account, which you can find a link to uh, on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris has a special connection to one of those podcasts, Batgirl the Oracle, don't you, Chris? Yeah, thank you very much, Terry. I do review the Batman 66 title on the Batgirl the Oracle, which is hosted by the Magnificent Stella. Yes. Uh, at the time of this recording, Stella is probably just returned from the San Diego Comic-Con, where she's recorded tons and tons of interviews. I think she had a great time. I look forward to hearing a Batgirl to Oracle special episode where she gives us her San Diego Con report. I understand that she's got hours of content. We'll have to see if she breaks it down into one part or two, but I really, really look forward to that. Uh, that said, uh, if you're speaking of reviews in certain titles and the Batman Universe website, I know a fellow who writes some great <laughs> reviews on that, and that's the person across from me, and that would be Jerry, who does some great reviews on Mother Panic, and he did Batman 66. He also recently concluded the Gotham Academy title there. Uh-huh. And if you want to hear or see any more of this fantastic guy's musings Aww. yeah i would i would point you to the twitter handle at professor frenzy is that where you can be reached on twitter jerry absolutely professor frenzy and at you can too can't you chris at bto and bat books correct that's where i can be found and one of the things we both like to do uh-huh. is we like to live tweet during spenguli on saturday <laughs> nights where we enjoy well actually it's the whole me tv lineup on saturday nights. The whole night. <laughs> yeah the whole night the, ba- the uh, wonder woman star trek and uh battlestar galactica comes on right before that and just uh we just have at it there's a great group of people out there and we, if you want to get involved in that just join in it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun do you do you stay after for the batman I do stay after for the Batman. I even go as, for, uh, as late as Outer Limits. Oh, you never did Land of the Giants, though, did you? Uh, the- not at the time. I yeah. wasn't. I don't think I was on Twitter at the time, but I did watch. Uh-huh. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a great time. So mm-hmm. we recommend it. So we also have other folks that we've been doing uh, talking back and forth with on Twitter and elsewhere. 
Uh, folks at the Cosmic Treadmill, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics, which he's on Twitter at Ace Comics, and joins with uh, at Reggie Reggie. And Chris and Reggie, they discuss classic comics, and it's really a, they have a, a great podcast, great detail. And if you look at the at the show that they're doing, and the comic doesn't look that great, stick with them. Their commentary is. <laughs> So true. Yeah. Now, we also have some special friends out there, don't we, Chris? Yeah, that would be the Sutherlands, and the Sutherlands are great folks. They uh, do three podcasts currently. They do Warlord Worlds, which examines the artwork of Mike Grell. They do Xenozoic Xenopiles, which looks at Mark Schultz Mm -hmm. in the Cadillac and Dinosaur series. And they also do Trekker Talk, which looks at the artwork of Ron Randall and the character Mercy St. Clair in the series Trekker. So those are all great. Uh, podcast, and we hope you seek those out. And speaking of the Sutherlands, mm-hmm. Darren Sutherland wrote in to say, with regards to episode 162, we got a nice email from Darren. He wrote in to say, I'm sure the two of you must have appreciated a story that only spanned four issues after the lengthy <laughs> stories you recently covered. I, yeah. rec- I really appreciated your discussion and the conclusion of this story. I wasn't previously familiar with it. But, and I must say it was confusing and not very satisfying. You covered it well. Great discussion, gentlemen. I really enjoy your conversations. Take care, Darren. He also left us a nice tweet saying, terrific discussion. I really appreciate your insights. Thumbs up emoji. So I can't thank you enough. So that was some nice uh, feedback we got. We also got a uh, comment from Ian Miller over on the Batman Universe website. And we want to thank him for writing in, Ian Miller, a.k.a. Ian Prime. And again, this was on episode 162. Over on the TBU website, Ian commented on the Batman War Crimes episode, and he had this to say. I agree with you both that this story has too many negative consequences and not enough good to be a really strong entry in the Batman history. Mm-hmm. I do really like the affirmation by Joker that Step is a real Robin. Mm-hmm that he wants to kill, but I take what I can get since DC keeps forgetting that she was a real Robin. And we hear you. I'm sort of looking forward to, yes, he goes on to say, I'm sort of looking forward to identity crisis because I refuse to read it. So hearing your review and summary will help me be informed when I'm refusing to read. Smiley face emoji. Well, Ian, (laughs) I can't thank you enough for writing yet. And we really appreciate your comments. You know, Jerry and I have been really fortunate since we have been on Bad Books for Beginners, that we've uh, connected with a lot of people on Twitter. We've gotten uh, some nice promotion with tweets and likes and retweets, and I just want to acknowledge some of those that we got on the last episode. We also got likes and retweets from Justice's First Dawn at Classic JLA, Joe Crawford at J3K underscore C, Coffee and Comics at Coffee Comics Blog, and we heard from Two True Freaks at True True Freaks. Thank you very much for your support. That's a new like and uh, retweet that we got. We also got a uh, like and retweet from Robert Lewis at Rob Lewis 1157. The Doctor, Dr. with a K at Dr. Girlfriend. Gulliver Foyle at GFoyle69. We also got some from and hyphen C at Pop Vox Culture. Griff at Real J Griff. Zach Sully at Zach underscore Sully. The Batman Universe. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> thanks, guys. At Batman Universe. Also, Weird Science DC at Weird Science DC. Ziggy at Mr. Joffrey. 
and hit girl hyphen m at ham mo 15 thank you all very much and if we missed mentioning you please drop us a line contact us and we'll be sure to give you a mention on our next recording thank you guys thank you so that's all we have for today please join us in two weeks when chris and i will cover year one batman rachel ghoul my name is jerry and i'm chris and thank you for listening to bat books for beginners